Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. We are now addressed by the living Lord through his living word. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in these spaces now, we ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit, that we would know and understand the word of God, the scriptures, that we can't do without your spirit opening our eyes and our hearts. So we plead with you that you do that work now. And as we jump in, Father, to Psalm 67, would we hear good news that would mold us for obedience and mission. Jesus, thank you that you are the singer and fulfiller of every psalm, all of the scriptures, and that your work culminates in crucifixion and resurrection, truly, which is good news for us. Would we be people of good news in these moments, O Lord, we pray, Jesus, in your name and for your sake. Amen. You can be seated. We all love a good last word. Think in different ways, maybe, about good last words, concluding statements of various kinds, concluding situations that feel really good. Movies. It's always nice when a movie sticks the landing, right? Always unsatisfying when a movie doesn't. Or TV shows. Here's another crowdsourcing thing. To me, there's one show in the 2000s that stands out as a TV series. It was really good, but totally fell apart at the end. Anybody want to shout out the show that I have in mind? Lost. There we go. Yep. It was not very good towards the end. Weird. Like, highly recommended but then totally fell off the tracks. As far as positive examples recently, has anybody watched, I think it's an Apple TV show, maybe Severance? It's, it's been one season. That was a really good series overall. Dipped a tiny bit in the middle, although still recommended. It had a great last episode, and it was just a pleasure to see, oh, they knew what they were doing the whole time. What are some other ways in which we appreciate good last words? Arguments, right? When we're in an argument, isn't it so easy when your argument partner in crime says what appears to be a last word and you're like, okay, that's a great point. We're good here. I'll just be quiet and walk away. Or is it easier instead when somebody else tried to get in the last word and 
the good angel on one shoulder says, you're done, walk away, it's fine. But the bad angel on the other shoulder says, it would feel so good just to say that one last thing. And it feels really good for 0.683 seconds. But then right after that, you do the whole slow motion thing inside when it's like, no, don't say this because it just made it worse. But that's a negative example of liking good last words. When it comes to sermons, people like good last words, things that conclude. Young preachers struggle with this. Our very unjust apostle weight is an exception to the rule in a really good way last week. Great sermon, great conclusion. But have you listened to sermons before? where it's been going on for a long time, a couple different ways. Say the preacher's been preaching for a half an hour, and then the preacher says, and secondly, I may or may not have done that during the first sermon I ever preached. Or when you're listening to a sermon, and it feels like the plane's coming in for a landing, finally we're going to end, but then pull up. Oh, no, the plane's still circling. It's going back in the air and coming back around again. That frustration is another sign that we appreciate good last words. And when we don't have them in contexts like these or others, we feel jumbled. We feel scattered. There are all of these moving pieces still up in the air. But what do you know? Every Sunday in churches around the world, that practice some version of liturgy, structured aspects of the worship service that go back to ancient times, we have for you a good last word. Every week. A benediction. That's what the word means. At the end of every service, usually it's I here at Liberty Collingswood that gives the benediction. God's good word of sending, it's in the word, benediction. Bene, good, dictum, word. It is a good last word from God. And long before I was a preacher in worship services, I loved the benediction. So to this day, whether I'm giving it or receiving it, it just rams everything home in such a great way. It ties a bow on everything. And in my mind, when I give a benediction a lot of Sundays here at Liberty Collingswood, even though my hands are out here, in my mind, my hands are up here because I'm thinking, touchdown church, we've done it again. This has been great. And also, there's a propulsive aspect to the benediction. We've been here. We've tied everything together. We have a good last word from God. Now go until we meet again. And more than we as human beings loving a good last word, liking a good last word, we long for a good last word. Most of all, in various ways, and for some of us, this might be front of mind and front of heart. For others of us, we might have to do a little excavating, a little digging. Most of all, we long for a good last word from God. And in our worship, and in our Christ, that's what the Father is pleased to give. So two parts from here for the rest of the sermon. We're going to talk about benediction, God's last word, and then living it out. Benediction, last word, number one, and then living it out, number two. And I promise that number two will not come at the 38-minute mark, although maybe, you never know, once things get going here. So, the benediction, 
the last word. Our services just don't kind of end. And the flip side of my loving worship here at Liberty Collingswood, including the benediction, and one of my favorite things we're going to do, there's going to be announcements. We're also going to have uh, in covenant class, new members class coming up towards the beginning-ish of this fall. And one of my favorite aspects of that class is we talk through the different facets of our worship service. Where else are you going to do that? But we all actually spend a lot of time at wor- uh, doing worship here at Liberty Callings, but it's one of our core values. Let's find a space to talk about the different parts. That's what we do in the In Covenant, the new members class. And I say in there, hey, churches look a lot of different ways. And even though we're committed to doing things a certain way here at Liberty Collingswood, that doesn't fit all shapes and sizes of church. Still fine print. Every once in a while, I'm at a church that doesn't have a benediction. And the service just kind of ends. I'm always slightly unsatisfied. Like, wait. I'm still standing. Uh, come on, just one more thing. It can't be that hard. You know, tie a bow on it. But it doesn't happen. But God gives us a good last word. And the reason that I chose Psalm 67 to think about benediction is that this psalm in Jewish culture and liturgy and practice, both in ancient times all the way up to modern, this is a benedictory psalm where towards the end of worship services and liturgies in various Judaic settings, this psalm is used to sign off to tie a bow, the first three verses specifically. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And behind this, if you know a little bit about the Old Testament, you might be thinking, hey, this sounds like something else in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and it does. Way back in the original five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, we have the original blessing from Aaron, the benediction given to the people in the book of Numbers chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's a benediction. God's last word. A pastor and writer that died recently, Eugene Peterson, put it this way. In the the benediction, we hear God's last word towards us. So the benediction is a summary blessing. It's a churchy word. Yeah, what happens in church, among other things? Well, there's blessings of various kinds. What does blessing mean? I don't know. Just said a lot in church. There are different ways to talk about what blessing means, but this could be one of them. Blessing is a summary of God's gracious activity and relating to us. A summary of God's gracious activity and relating to us is God's blessing. God's blessing is when the living Lord reaffirms, I don't love just anybody. Although God's love is universal, I love you. I am committed to you. I delight in you, in Jesus Christ. All that I have, all that I am, is for you. I am yoked graciously by a sovereign condescension to you. God is pleased to bless us. And actually, that's one of the first words, first verbs used of God Almighty 
way back at the beginning of the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, but one of the other verbs used in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 is that God blessed. First, God blessed human beings when he created Adam and Eve. And then when God rested on the seventh day, he blessed it and called all of creation very good. And it's no coincidence that Christian liturgy ends with one of the words, blessing, with which God begins. To bookend. So you could think of it this way. The benediction at the end of a Christian worship service doesn't simply round off or bookend all the way to the beginning of the service. It rounds off, it bookends, all the way to the beginning of creation itself. Don't forget, God has promised by grace to bless. God is for you. And let's not gloss over too quickly again how incredibly focused we can be very often on needing good last words of various kinds. To put it a little more broadly, if we're being honest with one another, we will do anything, often, for a little bit of approval, for a good word from somebody else. When I get to know somebody, and what, whether it's in more casual conversation or sitting down or a more formal like pastoral counseling situation, here's a question that can always make for some conversation. Tell me about your father or your mother or your parenting situation one way or another because there's always stuff there. And think about how deeply we have been formed over the years if we have received good, bad, or indifferent or absent last words from a mom or a dad. They deeply form us. How often do we need good words of affirmation, good last words from friends or coworkers? If you're on social media, there's probably a big German word that describes that feeling of you post something that you're really excited about, but it gets no traction on socials. There's no likes, there's no engagement. It's like, hey, do I even exist anymore? Because even from a biochemical, neurological perspective, we need that dopamine hit of affirmation. It's built into us, bosses. And we can be really neurotic about it. One, one example that I used in the original sermon that I'll say again because it's still true, I, I like to see as much live music as I can in, in different formats. And I've been to some live music with, with some of you. Last spring, was it, we took a church field trip to a New Orleans brass band in Philly, we didn't get the discount on the church bus that I was hoping for, but it was a great time. Maybe we'll do that again. I'm not really a dancer, but I'm a groover at concerts. And one time I was watching some New Orleans music, which is where I'm from. Ardmore Music Theater, a few years ago out on the main line, they book a lot of New Orleans bands. I don't know why, but I'm there for it. And my, my groove was off, and I was becoming very self-conscious in a room where I knew nobody. I thought, and maybe this is just my Enneagram 3, you feel me, if, if you're in that same boat, but like, I want to be in the top third of groovers in this room by the end of the night. And that, that, that's my approval mechanism, wanting good last words from people that I'm never going to see again. But that's how we're wired. Or flip side, we'll debase ourselves for good last words. We'll lie will cheat, will bend reality, 
We'll use other people. We'll allow ourselves to be used for that good last word. But at a larger level, again, all of those aspirations and urges, they are only echoes. They are only reverberations because God has created all of us in his image. Those are the echoes, those are the reverberations of our deep God-given, God-made longing for a good last word from our good father. That's what we need. That's the good word that we need that causes us to flourish and thrive. Imagine how freeing it would be to have confidence in your life at a practical level as you go through the ups and downs of your days, the nervous days, the anxious days, the depressed days, the scattered days, the happy days, whatever it is, to think and know, I've got good God's good last word on me. How freeing would that be? And likewise, how freely it is given in Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. Liturgically, the benediction is God's last word for us. Salvifically, at the center of God's story for our salvation, God's good last word for us is Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected. That's the center of the story. That's God's final will and testament towards us. And ironically, on that cross, specifically and emphatically, for us to receive the blessing of Jesus, that's where Jesus was not blessed at all, and he was cursed. Father, curse me that I would pay the penalty for sin that I did not commit, but they did, that others would be blessed, that others would be healed, that others would be forgiven. And you could even think of it this way. On the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Jesus looking for one last gasp, one final last word of rescue, good word from the Father, silence. That we would receive God's good last word by grace. If you're here this morning or watching online, worshiping with us, and you're still putting the pieces together where it comes to Jesus, I would simply want to ask you at this point, isn't it the case that if we're all that there is, no God above, nothing beneath, as our lives wind down, that there is no last word for us. Ultimately, we zero out into silence. There is no last word. Or again, going back into the Christian scriptures and it's jarring to think about in modern contexts, but we confess it every week in the words of the Apostles' Creed. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. At the end of time, human beings will receive one of two words from the living God. In Jesus Christ, welcome, or instead away. God's good last word for us in Jesus is powerful. Because through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, the Father binds himself to us. But likewise, we are bound to him. And as we receive God's benediction, 
We are indebted to the one that gives us this good word. And the benediction, as it works down into our hearts and lives, says and does, among other things, let this be the foundation. You shall not live, you shall not die, you shall not be governed, you shall not be changed, you shall not be affected, ultimately, by any last word besides this one. And think about all of the people and all of the situations and all of the last words that can completely knock you off track and me in the course of any given week. The benediction gives us a deeper anchor and reminds us they are not your boss. They are not your ultimate parent. They are not your ultimate authority. They are not your judge, jury, and executioner. Jesus was executed summarily for us instead so that there is only a gracious, loving, fulfilling, flourishing last word from God for you. And you receive it by faith. And the good news again is that none of these last words will give us stability anyway. And culturally speaking you could say that we are running after every last word that we can find to build our identity from there. But your identity, your selfhood, does not depend on your bank account, does not depend on your body image, does not depend on your successes, does not depend on your failures, does not depend on your feelings but it depends on what Jesus has done for you. And as the church hurdles continually into the late modern West and, and the world of identity politics, what might this ancient religion have to say? Actually, a lot. Because there's a better identity foundation that you can receive in Jesus than the one that we're so frantically always trying to build, whatever it is. Come here instead. But the goal for receiving God's last word is actually not for us to receive it, but to move forward with it. So God's blessing is designed to go from us, through us, to other people, and then redound back to glory to God. So, last word, we need to live it out. What do I say at the end of every worship service? Receive God's good word of sending. As we've gathered here, we now have... Six days to live, speak, and serve as Jesus' very presence no matter where God has placed you. There's that propulsive aspect again. We are sent out by the good word of sending of God. And as we move into the fall here at Liberty Collingswood, this is a great time to hook in. How are we going to live out this mission now? This fall, this week, in a few different ways. And I'll just list a couple and then we'll wrap up. Community. How is God molding us together? One of the things that I was struck by again, studying about the book of Colossians, a letter to the Colossians from Paul that we're going to be doing this fall. And you've heard this from Bible teachers before if you've been in churches. The vast majority of all of Paul's U's, Y-O-U, and all of his letters, they're plural, not singular. They're not to you as an individual, although it applies, but they're to the body of Christ together where we are meant to be formed together. Little kid, student, grown up, we are meant to be formed together. Where the community, the worshiping community of faith is the theater of the grace and glory of God put to action. 
and put to work. That your saving power might be known among the nations, verse 2, that's where it's experienced and transparently shown forth in the life of the local church. I had a pastor friend once that put it this way. Yeah, the church is weird. Churches are weird. I think our church actually is pretty good. But churches are still weird. I'm weird. You're weird. We're all weird. But as you go back to the scriptures, that's the point of church. All of these weirdos coming together under Jesus. And my friend said, church is the place where community doesn't make any sense except that the tomb is empty. That we won't be able to explain it. There's no rationale for it except that Jesus Christ is crucified and resurrected. And then people both inside of the church and outside of this church say, oh, I get it. I might not agree. I might not believe it. Their beliefs may actually be pretty crazy. I'm not sure I'm on board. I'm not sure if even if they're good or healthy. But when I look inside, we have some pretty wildly different people that call each other brother and sister and live it out. Where forgiving instead of unfriending is practiced on a regular basis. That makes sense because the tomb is empty. And so we live that out in community because of Jesus. And also speaking, talking about Jesus, whether it's across dinner tables or happy hours or coffee shops, there is good news. We can be wary of talking about Jesus to other people, the whole proselytizing bugaboo that we'll talk about at different points. But understand that everybody talks about what they feel is important to them. Hey, there's this really great TV show. What do you do? You tell people about it. As of the last three days, the Phillies are horrible again. What do you do? You tell other people about it. Would you hate watch with me so that we can have fun slagging on our local sports teams once again? That's what we do. And the good news in this moment is that nobody's really sure about anything. So yeah, at one level, secularity is this ironclad monolithic thing that the church grapples with, and we need to take every thought captive to Christ, but that's not every person, for the most part. And here's a way that you can have good conversations with people of various worldviews. Where are you struggling? What are you sure about? And you can volunteer the same thing if you're a follower of Jesus. This is where I'm really sure. This is what I'm struggling with. Let's compare notes about the crazy world that we live in. Speaking of good news to other people, so we have, among other reasons, our international partnerships team that Derek Dalrymple leads here. We're going to hear, I believe it's next Sunday, right, Kathy? When we're, or two Sundays, okay, soon. From, yeah, two Sundays from now, Kathy, we're going to hear about her Liberty Communion missions trip to Eswatini when we think about global missions. And part of that is speaking the good news of Jesus to others. So whether it's globally, let the nations be glad, or locally here, or love-driven ministries that we support in Malawi, Toko and Ishmael, the great work they're doing there. Among other things, they are speaking of the love, hope, and grace of Jesus, which flows into serving. Toko and Ishmael not only do a lot of speaking, they also do a lot of serving, as they should, as we should. And when we serve in practical ways, 
we are living as if there actually is good news for the world. What would it look like for you to live out the second part of this psalm? Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Life's going to be good. Therefore, when there's brokenness and lack of healing and health and justice and security in the world, we are serving. And let me put it this way. It's both the rhetoric of shrill fundamentalists, including religiously, and also shrill secularists, where all of the messaging is, is the world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's the call of Jesus Christ upon the church to live out the warp and woof of Psalm 67. Say, this is where the world is going. That's why we're rolling up our sleeves and serving. And whether it's our deacons or our consistory or our local partnerships team or our international partnerships team, we want to be a church where there are regular rhythms. We just served at Urban Promise. Now, Young Lives Meals. Are we going to change the world by serving meals at Young Lives? No. But let me guess that for those of us that show up and serve or contribute meals and serve in different ways, that's one more meal item than you would otherwise prepare in September for people that need it and would benefit from it. We roll up our sleeves and serve as we give ourselves away so that other people can get including getting Jesus, as God's compassion flows forward into our action. Because by grace, we have been given a good word of sending. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.